House and Senate will both return to work tomorrow. Both are scheduled to stay, in to stay in session through the course of the week. Last week in the House, they came back to work on Monday. They took up and passed two bills under suspension of the rules. On Tuesday, the House took up the rule to govern floor consideration of H.R. 3755, the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021. H.R. 4350, the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022, and H.R. 5305, the Extending Government Funding and Delivering Emergency Assistance Act. Then the House took up and passed S. 1828, the Havana Act, under suspension of the rules. That bill authorizes payments for medical care of U.S. government personnel who have been afflicted by the Havana Syndrome, the name given to the illnesses suffered by more than 200 American diplomats and others serving in certain embassies abroad. Then the House considered H.R. 5305, the Extending Government Funding and Delivering Emergency Assistance Act, otherwise known as the Continuing Resolution. It contained a measure extending government funding at current levels through December 3rd, a measure suspending the debt limit until December 2022, and a measure appropriating more than $20 billion in additional funding for relief from natural disasters and Hurricane Ida, and providing funding for resettlement assistance for Afghan refugees and special immigrant visa holders. The bill passed on a straight party line vote with 220 Democrats voting in favor and 211 Republicans voting against. On Wednesday, the House took up H.R. 4350, the National Defense Authorization Act for FY 2022. The House considered a whole bunch of amendments, 23 in all, over the next two days. Final passage vote on the NDAA as amended was 316 to 113. On Friday, the House took up H.R. 3755, the Women's Health Protection Act of 2021. That bill essentially codifies the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling, which legalized abortion before viability. The bill passed on a, virtual, a virtually party line vote, 218 to 211, with almost all Republicans and one Democrat, Henry Cuellar of Texas, voting in opposition. The bill will run into a stone wall in the Senate where Republicans will filibuster it. And then they were done. This week in the House, they'll come back to work tomorrow with the first vote set for 6.30 p.m. At that time, the House is scheduled to consider 12 bills under suspension of the rules. Later tomorrow night, the House is scheduled to take up the Senate amendment to H.R. 3684. That's the bill that we've been referring to as the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure framework. The vote may come on Monday evening or it may slip into Tuesday or who knows when. After that, the House may take up other legislation during the course of the week, including H.R. 3110, the Pump for Nursing Mothers Act, H.R. 3992, the POJA Act of 2021, and H.R. 2119, the Family Violence Prevention and Services Improvement Act of 2021. The House could also take up eight earlier suspension bills, time permitting. And Speaker Pelosi says she also wants to take up the reconciliation bill. In fact, she's insisting on it as recently as the Sunday morning talk shows a few hours ago, even though the bill is nowhere close to being ready. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Last week in the Senate, they came back to work on Monday. They voted to confirm Veronica S. Rossman to be a U.S. Circuit Judge for the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. On Tuesday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nomination of Margaret Irene Strickland to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of New Mexico. Then the Senate voted to discharge the nomination of Rohit Chopra to be director of the Bureau of Consumer Financial Protection from the Banking Committee. 
Later, a Republican version of the continuing resolution, S-2789, was introduced. That bill was Rule 14 and placed on the Senate calendar. That bill, introduced by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Richard Shelby, the ranking minority member of the Appropriations Committee, is the House version of the CR with the debt limit suspension provision omitted. And, by the way, a billion dollars for Israel's Iron Dome defensive anti-missile system restored. On Wednesday, the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nominations of Lily Lawrence Batchelder to be an Assistant Secretary of the Department of the Treasury and Jane Ray White to be a Deputy United States Trade Representative. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nomination of Florence Y. Pan to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of Columbia. On Thursday, the Senate voted to confirm Florence Y. Pan to be a U.S. District Judge for the District of Columbia. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on and then to confirm the nominations of Daniel J. Crittenbrink to be an Assistant Secretary for East Asian and Pacific Affairs of the Department of State and Sarah Bianchi to be a Deputy United States Trade Representative. Then the Senate voted to invoke cloture on the nominations of the following people for the following jobs. Karen Donfried to be an Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs and Eurasian Affairs at the Department of State. Monica P. Medina to be an Assistant Secretary for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs at the Department of State. Mary Catherine Fee to be an Assistant Secretary for African Affairs at the Department of State. Todd D. Robinson to be an Assistant Secretary for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs at the Department of State. And finally, Jessica Lewis to be an Assistant Secretary for Political Military Affairs at the Department of State. In addition, by voice vote, the Senate confirmed Jane Toshiko Nishida to be an Assistant Administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, and then they were done. This week in the Senate, they'll come back to work tomorrow with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on cloture on the motion to proceed to H.R. 5305, the Extending Government Funding and Delivering Emergency Assistance Act, also known as the Continuing Resolution slash Debt Limit Bill. Later in the week, I imagine we will see confirmation votes on the nominations of all those appointees I just read off. Also, later in the week, the Senate will be voting on a continuing resolution that does not contain a debt limit provision. To police reform, remember that? Police reform is officially dead. On Wednesday, the Wall Street Journal reported that New Jersey Democrat Senator Cory Booker had called South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott, quote, to tell him the Democrats were done negotiating after Mr. Scott didn't accept their final offer, end quote. End of story. End of subject. Now to the Arizona audit. Friday came, and we finally, finally, finally got the results of the long-awaited Maricopa County audit. The result? The hand recount of the county's 2.1 million ballots actually showed Joe Biden's margin of victory over Donald Trump increasing by 360 votes from a margin of 10,457 votes in the official state certified count to 10,817 votes in the Cyber Ninja conducted recount. While the report indicated that there were 23,144 mail-in ballots from voters who no longer lived at the address used to deliver the absentee ballot, the report also points out that these were not so-called phantom voters. 15,035 of them moved to another address in Maricopa County, and another 1,718 moved elsewhere in the state. And the report offered no evidence that any of these voters voted illegally. 
Now, to that continuing resolution and debt limit bill. As mentioned above, the House on Tuesday passed H.R. 5305, the Extending Government Funding and Delivering Emergency Assistance Act, also known as the CR. As if they had never heard what Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been saying for the last two months, House Democrat leaders decided to include in the bill a provision suspending the debt ceiling until December 2022, a date that is, you will note, and not coincidentally, after the next election. God forbid they should have to deal with the nuisance of having to acknowledge they can't keep to a budget and spend less money than they take in more than once per election cycle, I guess. Remember, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has been saying for weeks now that her department's ability to employ what she euphemistically, and with a straight face, refers to as extraordinary measures will expire sometime in mid-October. Some of the smarter people on Wall Street who get paid far more than I to track this stuff seems to think she's going to lose the ability to shuffle things around no later than October 26. So sometime before mid-October, the Congress will have to pass and the president will have to sign legislation extending the debt ceiling one way or the other, or the federal government will run out of its ability to pay all its bills on time. That's not to say the federal government won't pay any of its bills on time. It will still have tons of money coming in on a monthly basis, and will still be able to pay most of its bills on time. Hundreds of billions of dollars come into the Treasury Department every month, in fact, and that won't stop. The problem is the federal government spends even more than that on a monthly basis, and that shortfall creates problems. That's why our government borrows as much as it does. And if the debt ceiling is not extended, either by raising it to a certain dollar figure or suspending it to a date certain, then Treasury will have to choose which bills to pay and in what order, just like a regular person whose spending got out of control. That, we are told, would be calamitous. I cannot honestly say if it would be or not, because I studied history, and I like very much to look at previous experiences, or at least similar experiences, when I'm trying to make judgments about things using scary words like calamitous. But... There is no previous experience for this, and there is no similar experience for this. The federal government of the United States, which oversees the benchmark economy of the world with the world's reserve currency, has never not paid all its obligations on time. You know why the securities of the federal government are rated AAA? Because they're the standard by which others are judged. And the credit rating agencies that issue those AAA ratings assume that if the world is ever in such trouble that the federal government of the United States cannot pay its obligations on time, then we're all going to hell in a handbasket anyway, and what's the point? Saying the federal government of the United States has never failed to pay its obligations on time is not the same as saying the federal government of the United States has never taken a credit downgrade. In fact, on August 5, 2011, during a tense debt ceiling standoff between President Barack Obama and Republicans on Capitol Hill, Standard & Poor's, one of the three major credit rating agencies, downgraded long-term U.S. government securities from AAA to AA+. Moody's and Fitch, the other two major credit rating agencies, kept their ratings of long-term U.S. government securities at the AAA level. So, back to real time. The Joint Continuing Resolution slash Debt Ceiling Suspension Bill is now awaiting action in the Senate. That'll be the first item of business for the Senate this week. At 5.30 p.m. tomorrow, the Senate will vote on a motion to invoke cloture on a motion to proceed to that bill. The motion to invoke cloture will fail because it will not earn the support of the 10 Republicans it will need to garner the 60 votes necessary to invoke cloture and bring debate to a close. And then the Democrats will be stuck 
McConnell will have proven that he can hold at least 41 of his 50 Republican votes on this issue, and Democrats will then be left with a choice. They can split their CR into two bills, one, a continuing appropriations bill that would need to be passed by both houses and signed into law by the president no later than midnight Thursday night slash Friday morning to avoid even a partial temporary government shutdown. The second bill, either an amendment to the budget resolution that already passed and on which the reconciliation bill is based, or possibly a new budget resolution that would simply raise the debt ceiling. Or they can refuse to go it alone and allow Joe Biden to be the first president to have to take a phone call from his Treasury Secretary asking who he wants to stiff first. The Wall Street investors whose loans keep the wheels of big government churning or, say, Social Security recipients who rely on those payments and who tend to have long memories and sterling voting records. Democrats are crying like stuck pigs, but they have the ability to raise the debt, lim- the debt limit on their own. Their problem is they can only raise the debt limit on their own because they're going to have to use the reconciliation process to do it because Senate Republicans are not in a mood to go along with the Democrats' huge tax and spend plans. And the budget reconciliation process does not allow the debt ceiling to be suspended until a date certain in the future. The budget reconciliation process only allows the 51 vote majority to raise the debt ceiling by a certain dollar amount. And that's why the Democrats are screaming. None of them wants to go on record voting to raise the debt ceiling by another two or three trillion dollars. That's a dangerous vote. That's the kind of simple vote. It's easy for voters to understand in a campaign context. That's the kind of vote that could become a career-ending vote. Stay tuned. The action on this front is going to start tomorrow night. We will likely know by Tuesday if the Democrats are going to take the obvious logical next step, that is to break the CR into two separate bills and then move the extended appropriations part through both houses to get it to President Biden by Thursday evening. Or not. Now, To part two, the infrastructure slash budget reconciliation dance. As of this writing on Sunday afternoon, the reconciliation bill officially titled the Build Back Better Act has yet to be completed. Don't be fooled by the 2,465 page bill that was approved by the House Budget Committee yesterday. That's just a placeholder, a stapled together version of what you get when you take the work product of a dozen different committees of jurisdiction, each of which has been given reconciliation instructions and literally staple them together without any amendment into one large piece of legislation. Here's the thing. That bill will never see the light of day. It will never be voted on. Yet the milestone reached yesterday, its passage through the House Budget Committee is nevertheless an essential step in the process of turning those legislative dreams into law. Why will it never be voted on? Well, for one thing, the bill as it came out of the House Budget Committee likely costs more than the $3.5 trillion the budget resolution provided for. But that's because each of the committees knew that their work was going to be amended later to fit whatever deal was eventually cut. So let's just say they didn't let silly little things like reconciliation instructions crimp their style. They were thinking big and bold. So that's what they got. Instead of passing that bill, here's what's going to happen next. The bill will go to the Rules Committee, as do all bills that go to the House floor. There, it will receive consideration and a rule that will lay out how exactly the House will consider it. The rule will say how long the House will debate the bill and who will control the time of those in support of the bill and those in opposition to the bill. 
And that rule will, will include what's called a manager's amendment, which will be the legislative language that tracks with the agreement that's eventually reached between all the various factions of Democrats in the House and Senate. So when that agreement is reached and the legislative language reflecting the agreement is drawn up, the bill will go to the House with a rule that makes an order one amendment and one amendment only, the manager's amendment. And then the House will vote to adopt the manager's amendment, and then the House will vote to adopt the budget reconciliation bill as amended by the manager's amendment. Got it? Good. Because that's the simple part. Here's the hard part. We're sitting here on Sunday, September 26th, with just one day left before Monday, September 27. That's important because a little more than a month ago, when the House came back for those two days in late August to vote on the budget resolution and instructed all those committees to write up their sections of a $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, Speaker Pelosi had to cut a deal with a group of 10 so-called moderate Democrats to ensure their votes for the budget resolution that would unlock the door to using the reconciliation process to pass a $3.5 trillion tax and spend bill without any Republican votes needed she had to promise them two things. First, that she would hold the vote on the bipartisan infrastructure package, which they very much want, no later than September 27. Hey, that's tomorrow. And second, she would pre-conference the reconciliation bill with the Senate. I wish you could have seen me making air quotes there around pre-conference to ensure that no one in the House had to walk the plank and cast a dangerous vote on some crazy left-wing provision that wasn't going to make it through the Senate. So she's trying to hold the vote on the bipartisan infrastructure package tomorrow evening or maybe Tuesday morning. But as of right now, Sunday evening, it does not appear that she has the votes because the progressives in the House Democratic Caucus aren't thrilled with the prospect of voting for the bipartisan infrastructure package before they know the much larger reconciliation bill will pass through the Senate. And the reason they don't know what will pass the Senate is because Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona have not told them yet what it is they will accept and be willing to vote for. We know both of them have said they will not support $3.5 trillion in spending as the top line number. We do not know how much lower than that they will insist on. It could be a $1 trillion bill or a $1.5 trillion bill or maybe a $2 or $2.5 trillion bill. We just don't know. And because we don't know, the progressives don't know. Remember, they think the original number was $6 trillion. That's what they wanted to spend on this whole shebang. So to them, the $3.5 trillion figure is already a massive compromise. For them to now have to stomach the thought of cutting that even further, maybe to $2 trillion or even $1.5 trillion, well, let's just say they're not happy. The question is, are they going to be not happy enough to be willing to tank the whole bill if they have to go that low. Stay tuned and we'll see. And that's our Washington report for this week.